Notice, and then King David went in and he sat before the Lord. And notice what he says, Lord, who am I, O Lord God, and what is my house, and what and, and, that you have brought me thus far? And honestly, it's a very natural question to ask, something that's great to be done, and when we know that we are not worthy of it. We have to understand that there is no one of us, or will there ever be anyone who is worthy of God's promises, his great blessings. Uncontainable, you place the stars in the sky and you know them by name. You are amazing, God. Oh, powerful, untamable, all struck we fall to our knees as we humbly proclaim. You are amazing, God. Welcome, everyone. You're listening to Truth in Christ Radio, a Bible-teaching radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Rochester with Senior Pastor Rob Kellogg. When David received the spectacular blessings from the Lord, he didn't think it made him any greater. In David's eyes, it made God greater. David's attitude wasn't, I am so great that even God gives me gifts. His attitude was, God is so great that he gives even me gifts. We should receive salvation and every blessing with the same attitude. God's giving reflects the greatness of the giver, not the receiver. Now let's join Pastor Rob as he concludes chapter 7 in the book of 2 Samuel. David would receive those blows on the on the road on the uh, on the cross at Calvary. But my mercy shall not depart from him, as I took it from Saul. Yes, God took mercy from Saul. Isn't that uh, I, isn't that interesting? There are things there's things of God's character and nature that I, I I just I honestly don't understand, but I know that He is good. And it's good for us whenever we do have questions, certainly we can ask him and maybe he'll reveal it to us. But there are things that I think God just keeps to himself. And we just have to learn to trust. Because therein is where our faith, that's where our faith grows. What did Job say? Even though he slay me, yet I, 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 um, I trust him. Even though, Lord, you allowed me to go through such horrible things, that I couldn't even understand in myself. You allowed me to go through it, and even still, Lord, I trust you. And can you imagine the heart of God as he looks upon Job, as the devil is just like this yakking chihuahua saying, you know, you, you're doing all this because you've got to hedge about all that. And he just, he's barking and barking and barking, and God says, uh, can you be quiet a minute? Look at my servant. Look what I've allowed you to do. I've allowed you to do what he, he's sitting in the dust. Can you see him? He's got boils. He's got pieces of pottery that he's scraping because it itches and yet it hurts. And you, Have you had that kind of condition with your, with your skin where it, it hurts yet it itches and you can't seem to keep your hands off yourself? Your nails are scraping it and then you, everyone's telling you, stop it, and you, and you don't do it. Then get, everything gets infected. Am I the only one? At least when we're younger, we do that. As we get older, we figure it out. And we're like, I'm really not going to touch that. You know? But when you're younger, you can't be told anything. You just scrape it until your arm falls off. But God, 
My mercy shall not depart from him, from Solomon, and certainly from David. As I took it from Saul, when I removed him from before you, he wasn't the rightful king. And your house and your kingdom shall be established forever. Underline this this word, forever and ever and ever. There's so much in this about forever and ever. It just keeps going. Underline those things here in these last, you know, verse 15, 16, and, uh, or 16 and 17. And your house shall be established forever before you. Your throne shall be established forever. I mean, how much more could God say to us to get the point across? It's not some temporary thing. It's not going to last even a thousand years or even three thousand years. This is going to go on for eternity Eternity. Your throne shall be established forever. According to all these words and according to this vision, Nathan spoke to David. We don't have the time tonight, but I would encourage you also to write in your Bible Psalm 132. Read Psalm 132. It's 18 verses long. Go home tonight and read that in context. Like, read those first 17 verses and then go over to Psalm 132. You'll see the great plan that God has, even going into the millennial reign and the Davidic covenant, how important it was. And the summation of that, the realization of that, the bringing it to fruition. And so now, from verse 18 down through the end, through 29, we see as a result of this dialogue that he has, he, he, you know, David went in before the, uh, in the tabernacle there that he had made, and he sits there before God, and he's, he's just blown away. After he hears all of this stuff, all of these wonderful, precious promises that God is going to do in and through him. Has God made precious promises to you? Has he made a promise to you? Maybe a long time ago and you've just forgotten about it. Maybe time has gone on and you just kind of forgot. Has God spoken to you? Have you given up on whatever it is that he said he was going to do? Did you think it was just something you ate the night before? Are you still praying about it? Or have you given up? And you know what? Even if you give up, God is able. He's able So David breaks forth in thanksgiving. And really, isn't that where worship begins? Worship is always a response from us because of what God has done. That's why we worship him. We don't worship him. I worship him because of all that he's done for me. He's filled our hearts, hasn't he? Hasn't he done so much for us? I mean, even if he did nothing else for us for the rest of our lives other than save our wretched souls... If that is all that he did in my life, he deserves my praise. He deserves my, for me to honor him with my lips. He deserves my very life. I mean, honestly, think about it. What is the rest of my time here on earth? I may have, I don't know, uh, 25, 30 years left. I'm 51. If I make it to 91, that's 40 years. Doesn't he deserve all my life? Doesn't he deserve all of your life? Whatever it is that he wants, Lord, you got it. Help me to not be stingy with whatever. Help me to give my life completely over to you. Whatever I'm doing, whether I'm working a a regular job, whatever it is, give yourself completely to him because he's got you there for a reason. But give thanks to him. And it's not just salvation that he gives us. He gives us his spirit. He gives us such a fruitful life. Isn't it a joy to be a Christian? I love being a Christian. 
I love being one of God's children because I know where I'm going and it has nothing to do with me. It has everything to do with what he has done. He deserves the honor and the praise. Nothing of me. I am just so glad I'm blown out. And I just want to give it up and say, Lord, I'm yours. Take me. I like that song, just as I am without one plea, but that thy blood was shed for me. Beautiful song, just as I am without one plea, but that your blood was shed for me. Oh God, give me that heart again. But it's important to give thanks to the Lord. I love giving thanks to the Lord for things he's already done. You know, I keep mentioning it, but when we put the roof on this place in 2013, prior to that it was Swiss cheese. Not not kidding. One of my ministries was emptying bales of water or pails of water and empty tins all around the whole entire complex. That's what I did in addition to my other things. And that was kind of tricky when the pans get really heavy and they get full. You have to use a syringe. You have to stand on the top of the ladder with an electric uh, uh, siphon with a pail. And, you know, it gets really interesting when you got to do that. But when this roof was put on, I gave thanks to the Lord. I'm like, oh, God, those days are over, at least for a while. Right? So glad we got a roof on this place. No one more than me (laughs) is happier than that. We got this roof. Sometimes even in prayer, I say, Lord, thank you again for that roof. (laughs) So thankful. But it's good to give thanks to the Lord, isn't it? And here David is giving thanks to the Lord for what God has told him that he is going to do. He hasn't even done it yet. He's told David what he's going to do. And David responds in adoration and humble exaltation. That is faith. That is faith. Oh, give thanks to the Lord and call upon his name. Make known his deeds among the people. Sing to him. Sing psalms to him. Talk of his wondrous works. Glory in his holy name. And let the hearts of those rejoice who seek the Lord. Seek the Lord in his strength. Seek his face forevermore. Remember his marvelous works which he has done. His wonders and the judgments of his mouth. It is good to give thanks to the Lord. To sing praises to your name, O Most High. To declare your loving kindness in the morning and your faithfulness every night. On an instrument of twelve strings, on the lute, on the harp, with a harmonious sound as we did earlier this evening as we worshipped. Paul tells us in Corinthians, he says, Therefore, whether you eat or drink, whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. He told the Colossians, Whatever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, giving thanks to God the Father through him. And whatever you do, do it heartily as to the Lord and not to men. And David here is just, his heart is like a, a, a river that's just gushing forth. And God hasn't done it yet. But how can he feel so confident that God is going to do it? Well, hasn't God gotten him to this place so far? Hasn't he given him the kingdom that he said he was going to do? I wonder if he whispered in his ear, David, you know your, what I'm doing in your life right now goes all the way back to Genesis 3.15. Your, your part in this is very real. You're the link right in between. Do you know that, David? I've been thinking about you for an eternity. Got a plan for you. Notice, and then King David went in and he sat before the Lord. And notice what he says, Lord, who am I, O Lord God, and what is my house and what, and, and, that you have brought me thus far? 
And honestly, it's a very natural question to ask, something that's great to be done, and when we know that we are not worthy of it. We have to understand that there is no one of us, or will there ever be anyone who is worthy of God's promises, his great blessings. But we do. We, we don't understand when God blesses us. And I love it, especially when I've made some critical error, maybe in my own life. Maybe there's a sin issue in my life, and maybe I've just done that sin, and then I'm feeling really horrible. I'm repentant about it. I've asked God to forgive me. And that very day, man, he does something that just blows me away. Has it ever happened to you when you're feeling at your lowest of low, and he just does something and just blows you away, and you're like, are you really that good? Are you really that good? He goes, yeah, I'm much better than that, Rob. I'm much better than that. And David says, and yet this was a small thing in your sight, O Lord God, and you have spoken of your servant's house for a great while to come. Is this the manner of men, O Lord God? And now what more can David say to you? For you, Lord God, know your servant. I love this relationship that David had. He had this confidence. And where was it, where was it nurtured? Where was it really um, shaped and molded? It was out in those fields when he was a shepherd as a young teenage boy. As he was out there chasing the sheep and protecting them and God giving him strength and wisdom. And he had sat out there and looked at the stars at night as he's got the sheep in the pen. In between the rock barrier, he's standing there at the door with his staff, and he's looking up, and he's thinking. And God is molding and shaping this young man's heart. For you know your servant, for your word's sake, and according to your own heart, you have done all these great things to make your servant know them. Notice that. Therefore, you are great, O Lord God, for there is none like you, nor is there any God besides you, according to all that we have heard with our own ears. I love what it says in Isaiah chapter 45, verse 5. It says this, God speaking in the first person, he says this, I am the Lord God, and there is no other. I love this. I love reading these these verses because the natural man, if he were to read this, he would be boasting in his own arrogance. But guess what? God is all that he is. He's not even boasting. He's just being factual. See, when I boast of some greatness, it's not factual. But when he boasts, he's not boasting. He's just being truthful. He can't deny himself. Yes, he is all that. I love this. I am the Lord, and there is no other. There is no God besides me. I will gird you, though you have not known me, that you may know that from the rising of the sun to its setting, that there is none besides me. I am the Lord, and there is no other. Hallelujah. No one like me, he says, and I'm so glad for that. Nobody like him. In the 21st verse of that same chapter, he says, Tell and bring forth your case. Yes, let them take counsel together. Who has declared from the ancient time? Who has told it from that time? Have not I, the Lord, and there is no other God besides me, a just God and a Savior? There is none besides me. Amen to that. Exclamation point. Underline it with a big, fat, red pen. 
and then take a yellow highlighter and just soak it through about 18 pages in your Bible. Yes, there's none besides me. Isaiah 46, verse 9, Remember the former things of old, for I am God and there is no other. I am God and there is none like me, declaring the end from the beginning, from the ancient times, things which are not yet done, saying, My counsel shall stand and I will do all my pleasure. He is Almighty God. And David is just reveling before him, saying, Lord, you've spoken of your servant things to come that I, I can't even fathom. I can't even fathom it. And notice back in our, 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 our chapter here, in verse 23, and he says, Who is like your people, like Israel, the one nation on the earth whom God went to redeem for himself as a people, to make for himself a name? And to do for yourself great and awesome deeds for your land before your people, whom you've redeemed for yourself from Egypt, the nations and their gods. For you have made your people Israel your very own people forever, and you, Jehovah, have become their God. Now, O Lord God, the word which you have spoken concerning your servant and concerning his house, establish it forever and do as you have said. I love that. You know, there's a, a part of us that could be really timid, you know, when God lays out this huge magnanimous thing that he's going to do. You know, most of us, and myself, I'd be like, but David's like, you do it, God. Do it now. Start right now and just do it. All that you said, just blow it. Blow it out of the sky. Nuke it, Lord. Make it happen. I love it. You know, David was always a worshiper. Saul was never a worshiper, but David was always a worshiper. And I think God loves a worshipful heart, a heart that is filled with thanksgiving. It's a good thing to procure in your life, to have, it's a good thing to foster in your life, a heart of thanksgiving. Instead of, Lord, I don't have this. Lord, I don't have that. Why them and not me? Why is it always me that's in the trouble? Why don't I have those nice things? How come I never get that? I never get that opportunity. And they do, and they don't deserve it. (laughs) Instead of complaining, maybe we got to start praising and say, Lord, and that, isn't that life, honestly? There are people who are better than I am that have it much worse. And then you can have somebody who is not so good in the flesh, even a compromising Christian. And God can be blessing your socks off. And somebody who is closer to the Lord than you, they're going through trial after trial after trial. And it's wrong for us to go, well, God must love me more than you. No. God knows what he needs to do. And we can't be looking at each other as equals and sizing each other up. It's a very wrong thing to do. For you, O Lord of hosts, God of Israel... I'm sorry, let me back up to verse 26. So let your name be magnified forever, saying, The Lord of hosts is the God over Israel. And let the house of your servant David be established before you. I love the the zeal in David, not cowering, but saying, Lord, you're going to do this? Then do it. Establish it and make it happen. I want to be a willing participant, and you make it happen, God, because you have a plan. It's your plan. It's a good plan. Because it is your plan, it's a good plan. And therefore, I want to submit to it with all my heart. 
For you, O Lord of hosts, verse 27, God of Israel, have revealed this to your servant, saying, I will build you a house. Therefore your servant has found it in his heart to make this prayer to you. And now, O Lord God, you are God, and your words are true. Isn't God's track record 100%? Isn't it immaculate? You are God and your words are true and you have promised this goodness to your servant. This goodness, how could I ever deserve it? I could never deserve it, God. And help me to free me from ever thinking I could deserve it. Free me from ever thinking that I had something to offer that would somehow tilt the scales. Now, therefore, let it please you to bless the house of your servant that it may continue before you forever. For you, O Lord, have spoken it and with your blessing... Let the house of your servant again be blessed forever. I like that. He's bold in God. Even in his humility, even in his decrepitness, I think it would be safe to say David, as he is before God, just totally blown away, realizing what he really is, and yet... He was the smallest. He came from Bethlehem, right? Wasn't that Micah 5 2 is all about? But you, Bethlehem, Ephrathah, out of you, even though you're smallest among the thousands of Judah, out of you shall come forth the one to rule. And it wasn't speaking of David necessarily, because David had already passed from the scene, but it was speaking of his ancestor in the flesh, Jesus Christ. Let's finish tonight with 2 Corinthians 1 verse 20. It says this. Because as we think about the promises that God had given to David, the Lord has promises to you as well. And he wants to bless us. He still wants to bless us, regardless of your performance. Are you a performance-driven Christian? There's nothing wrong with desiring to do well, but is your relationship with God based on your performance, or is it based on faith? Believing that right now, regardless of anything that you've ever done, even the things that you're involved in right at this moment, this very day, that God loves you equally right now as he did a few days ago. And he loves you equally as much tomorrow as he loved you today. Before you were born, didn't he tell Jeremiah? Before you were formed, I knew you in the womb, and I've ordained you to be a prophet among the nations. I loved you. I had a plan for you before you were even born. I love that about God. But in 2 Corinthians 1, verse 20, it says this, and I love this, something for us to all hang our hats on tonight, for all the promises of God in him, notice, not in man, but all the promises of God in him are yes, and in him, amen, to the glory of God through us, Paul says to the Corinthians. And that promise is for you and me. The Lord loves you guys. And you know, many of you have gone through a lot of tough stuff. And I have too. This last year and a half, you've heard me say it, has been the most challenging, difficult time of my entire life. On so many levels. And God's promises have come through. And he's still working. He's still doing things. Wonderful things that I could never imagine, that I could never deserve. And guess what? He's doing that in your life too. Will you seek him? Will you take him at his word and rehearse before him the promises that he has given and pray and seek his face and confess your sins along with me? Confess. 
And let's honor our king and let's rest in his promises. Amen? Let's stand together. Father, we thank you for this time together and pray you bless us now and bless us tomorrow as we go. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I'm sorry, that concludes our program for today. But please join us next time as Pastor Rob continues our study in the book of 2 Samuel. Calvary Chapel of Rochester is located at 2503 Browncroft Boulevard, Rochester, New York, 14625. You can reach us at our church office between 9 a.m. and 4 p.m. Monday through Friday at area code 585 586 3140. If you would like to have an audio CD of today's message mailed to you in its unedited form, simply mention today's date when contacting our church office. You can also contact us via the web by logging on to www.calvaryrochester.com. There you will be able to access a number of useful things such as information concerning our beliefs, our ministries, contact information, our location, service times, and much more. You can also download or listen to the radio and sanctuary messages free of charge from the teachings link at the top of the page. To listen to Calvary Chapel of Rochester's sanctuary messages or Truth in Christ Radio on your mobile device, just subscribe to both through Google Podcast or Apple Podcast. You're also invited to join us on Sunday and Thursdays through live streaming of our services and Bible studies. Just click on the online services link on the website. We're so glad that you could join us today. And if there is any way that we can bless you with your walk with Jesus Christ, please don't hesitate to call our church office. Remember, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And for this cause, I have come into the world that I should bear witness unto the truth. Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. May God bless you in abundance today as you walk with him. And until next time, this has been Truth in Christ.